Moncrief on News Talk. As we always do on a Tuesday, we cast our eyes outside our small island. Jonathan de Burke Butler, as always, is our guide to tell us some things that are happening in other parts of the world. Afternoon. Sean, Jonathan. how are you getting on? Uh, right, Ecuador we're going to go to uh, next first. And letter bombs to newsrooms. Letter bombs to newsrooms, indeed. Uh, five letter bombs were sent to five different organisations across uh, Ecuador, and they were all media organisations. Now, we know some information and we don't know some information. So we don't mm. know all of the organisations that the letter bombs were sent to. We know that one presenter, a TV presenter by the name of Lenin Artieda, was injured when he opened an, an envelope in the middle of a newsroom, took out a USB key, put it into his computer as he would, thinking that you're going to get it. charge went into it. charge yeah. went into it and it exploded. Uh, and he was quite badly... Well, he was... I wouldn't say he was badly injured, but he was injured. Yeah. Had to spend some time in hospital, but he's he's up and talking and that kind of thing. We know that three of the uh, bombs were sent to media outlets in Guayaquil and two were sent to the capital, uh, Quito. So uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is because over the last number of weeks and months... Ecuador has seen unprecedented violence, right? This is something that we're just not used to in Ecuador. It's gangs that are at each other, right? So these are gangs that used to kind of fly under the radar. But now I think what's happening is they're being infiltrated by larger gangs from outside of Ecuador mm. that are have a reputation for more violence and are sending their heavies into Ecuador trying to vie for, you know, passages and uh, cocaine smuggling routes that uh, originate in Peru and Colombia and then go through Ecuador. Um, so because of that, as I said, we've seen an, an uptick in violence and it's been really gruesome. You're talking about you know, rival gangs uh, torturing each other, uh, people being left hanging from bridges, uh, various different things like that. So it's very worrying. Um, An investigation around this, uh, these letter bombs has been opened by the Attorney General. Uh, It's a terrorism investigation that they're launching. And um, yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah, no, and... and they're sure it is drug gangs that who would be responsible. There's no other possible culprits. That is the way that the uh, reports that I've seen are pointing, right? So the the uh, the president, um, Guillermo Lasso, he hasn't been in the job that long, but he basically came out and he said it's a result of these gangs fighting for turf. Mm-hmm. And obviously reporters are doing their job and being journalists reporting on what the gangs are doing. The gangs don't necessarily like it. So they're sending warnings. Now, there was five as I sent packages sent. Only one of them detonated. Uh, the rest were, were dealt with or weren't actually opened. So uh, yeah. it could have been worse, I suppose. The fact that it was uh, shaped like a USB key, mm-hmm. that would kind of imply a level of, uh, of sophistication. sophistication yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, quite, uh, quite extraordinary. Right. Uh, Pakistan, uh, we're going to go to next. Now, this is a, a, a row about uh, a provincial election. So this may require a bit of background. I it assume. sure does. Yes. Yeah, yes. you beat me to that, actually. Yeah. Thank you very much. But it, it requires a lot of background, actually. And it involves Imran Khan, right? He's the central character, has been the central character in Pakistani politics for a number of years. Mm. Right? Very controversial. But at the bottom of it all, he is very popular. 
right? You see rallies that he goes to. Hundreds of thousands of people uh, attend his rallies. 70 now. But back in April of 2022, when he was the Prime Minister, there was a no-confidence motion levelled against him. Okay, he managed to stop that. And pretty much on the same day or a few days after, he went to the President and he said to the President that Parliament needed to be dissolved. The President agreed with them. The Supreme Court then jumped in and disagreed with both of them. Right yes. In a 5 zero decision, they said, look, uh, this is unconstitutional. Basically, what you've done now, Imran Khan, is a constitutional coup. They ordered the Assembly to reconvene. The vote uh, of, of no confidence went ahead. And, and as you remember, Imran Khan was kicked out from power. Yeah. Now, he didn't leave quietly. And this is where all these rallies and this... He tried to emulate Gandhi with a walk across Pakistan uh, where he got, you know, all his supporters to join him at rallies. And he's tried to take on the government by calling for an early election. That wasn't successful. However, he controls, he and his party control two local parliaments and he managed to dissolve the assembly there, which triggered, of course, an automatic election, right? So an election has to be held within 90 days when the assembly is dissolved because he he held the power here. He was able to do that. But the Election Commission of Pakistan said, no, hold your horses there. It's too dangerous to hold elections within 90 days. Why don't we hold them at the same time that national elections are happening in October of 2023? Cue absolute chaos and calls for (laughs) the head of everyone in the Election Commission of Pakistan because they are saying, uh, this is Khan supporters, are saying this is politically motivated. The government are behind it. The establishment, which basically is the military, is an enemy of Imran Khan. They're behind this. And uh, it, it all goes from there. So, look, it's gone to it's gone to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court came back. They made a decision on the 1st of March and said, no, this election has to be held within 90 days. But the Electoral Commission is still holding out. Um, so it's causing quite a lot of tension, as you can imagine. Uh, now, it's gone to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And the Supreme Court has said, go ahead with the election. Yes. And, yeah, and the election commission is saying we're just defying the yeah. Supreme Court. So the election commission is 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 use, using what our children often use, which are delay tactics. Yeah, uh, basically okay. they're saying, you know, well, uh, we're we're not sure that this decision that was made by the Supreme Court. I think they said the first decision on the first of March was made by the Chief Justice alone, and then they took two weeks to prove that it wasn't just the Chief Justice; it was the Chief Justice and four of his colleagues. And then they said, okay, well, that's not enough. We want a full bench, which is 17 Supreme Court justices I think they have in Pakistan to take the decision. So there's an appeal around that. So they're buying time in order to Mm. delay and delay and delay this election as much as they possibly can because Khan is going to win it if the opinion poll hands down is going to win it if the opinion polls are anything to go by. Is that just in these local elections or nationally? Nationally as well. Yeah, right. he, he, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about Punjab and the other province, which escapes me now that he, he he's going to come back. But nationally, it looks like he, he's he's very strong favourite to the extent that you know he's even courting the USA again in terms of foreign policy when that was actually the problem in the first place last year. Yeah, uh, he said that there was a conspiracy against him. The uh, but, uh, but in, in a sense that when they said it was too dangerous, it has been dangerous. It wasn't he shot at one. He was shot in the leg in yeah. uh, November. There was an ass- an assassination attempt on him, and I, I remember seeing his absolute chaos. Uh, I think he was on top of a car or a van or something like that, mm. and it was absolute chaos. How he got out of there alive, I don't know. Uh, now and also, I suppose that 
part of the danger here is that the more this is delayed, now if the Electoral Commission defies a Supreme Court uh, um, judgment, then you've got yourself a constitutional crisis. And as is often the case in Pakistan, who swoops in to provide stability? Mm, the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Dangerous times. Right. Uh, now, uh, the UK we're going to go to next, though. This also this involves uh, a Nigerian couple and one of the most grotesque stories uh, you will have heard this year. Now, they've, uh, as I understand it, they've, they've been to... I don't know if they've been sentenced yet. They haven't been sentenced. They have been uh, found guilty, guilty. all right. Yeah. yeah, they've definitely been found guilty. So yeah. it involves a, a Nigerian senator. So this is, a, just to put it in context, this is a man with political power. Yeah. Okay. A 60-year-old... Uh, Ike Ekwermadu, his wife, uh, Beatrice, who's 56, and then a doctor called uh, Obino Abet, who's 50. And they were all convicted of conspiring to uh, to exploit a man for his kidney. There's a side of me that feels quite sorry for them in one extent because their motives were to save their daughter. Yes. Right. So their 25 year old daughter, she's now 25, a woman by the name of Sonia. She was studying master's degree in Newcastle in the UK. She became ill in 2019. She's now on dialysis. Right. In 2021, her father basically put this plot together involving lots of people. Okay, to get this man who was uh, a young man in his 20s, I think, who was selling parts for mobile phones in a market in Lagos mm. and was approached by somebody. He was offered seven grand to go to the UK and to go through a medical procedure that would be no problem for him. Yeah. Now, now in front of the in other reporting I've seen of this, it seemed as if what tipped this off is that he was brought to the Royal Free Hospital in London and didn't really know why he was there. Yeah, he didn't know why he was there. Uh, and and um, between them, I think himself and the person who was going to be carrying out the operation uh, sort of twigged. Technically, the guy who was carrying the people who were carrying out the operation said, right, this guy hasn't been prepared properly from a mm. mental health point of view. Yeah. And they doubted whether he had the resources to look after himself when he went back home. So they were very suspicious about it. OK, when it fell through, and I don't know how that was managed, whether that was managed politely in the hospital or not, but when it fell through, this guy basically ran for his life. Uh, he slept on park benches for a couple of days before he turned up at a police station and explained what had happened. Now, he had been threatened by this senator that if he didn't go through it, he'd be sent back to Nigeria and they'd just do it in a back room. So yeah. that's why he ran. Mm. Uh, he was in fear of his life. Um a case, a case was launched. Uh, these three people were caught. And uh, as you said, they've been convicted. They haven't been sentenced yet. They're going to be brought back in early May, I think it is, for sentencing. And they could get life in prison. Yeah. It's a weird, grotesque story. Really, it is, in, yeah. Even though you can kind of see the motivation in it. But uh, at the same time, nothing would uh, justify that. Right. Uh, ta Taiwan, we're going to go to next. Or, or, or indeed, China and Taiwan. And, and is this perhaps... Is, is this person, is this a solo run to try and yeah. calm relations with between China and Taiwan? There's no official Taiwanese involvement here. No. And and so so this is a former... What's interesting about it is that it's a former Taiwan president, all right? Ma, uh, Ma Ying-jeou is his name. Uh, he must be in his 70s now, and he was prime minister up until 2016. He actually met President Xi in 2015, just before the elections that brought mm -hmm. in the new president, uh, Tsai Ing-wen. Who, who absolutely hates China and wants nothing to do with them, right? That's the new president. Uh, yeah. if, if you're looking at it from that point of view. Um, this former president uh, had relatively close relations with China 
and he just before he was kicked out of power or lost the election uh, he had done a trade deal that was one of the things I think that lost him the election he, which which brought the two places closer together so he's gone over there in a private capacity um, he's brought some students with him on an exchange and he basically thinks he's going there on a bit of a peace mission uh, yes, now yeah. There are, you know, photographers that are with him in tow. There was a photograph of him arriving on the tarmac um, and that kind of thing. Whether it'll have much of an influence back home, it's not 100% sure. Uh, We're not 100% sure, you know, where it'll go from here. But it's happened in the week that a country, another country, has decided to switch its allegiance from Taiwan to China. Honduras there last week, I don't know if you saw it, yeah, became yeah. the latest country to say we don't recognise Taiwan as an independent state. We, uh, we are switching our allegiance to China. And uh, that is the ninth country in those seven years that the, the new president of Taiwan has been in power that has... has left them effectively. Because I, it, it, and it's surprising how few countries actually recognise Taiwan as yeah. a state. There's, there's only 13 of them. Yeah. yeah. There's only 13. Uh, but of course, the United States is the major one. So. Yes. Oh, uh, no, does it actually recognise it? I don't Offici- know if it I don't, does, it does, actually. actually I won't take correction on that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I think actually most of the 13 who do aren't that important yes, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, I think a, the United States actually don't officially recognise them, but anyway. Yeah, um, but 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 it's but then again, at the same time, you know, you can see a process by which t- uh, Taiwan is increasingly be- being isolated, at least diplomatically. It, it is. It is. You, you could say it is, but it, the, the thing about Honduras is there's a big dam being built there in Honduras mm. and the money's coming from China. Ah, yeah. So this is what they're doing all over the world. They're going yeah. in and they're investing and, and uh, in return they want this this recognition. Yeah, and so uh, is there anything this former president hopes to achieve? Has he said that he hopes to achieve something by visiting China? He, he, he just sees it as, as another way of um, relieving the tension between the two entities. Um, so that's that's what it is, really. Yeah, uh, we'll see whether he has any success in that regard or not. Right, uh, finally, uh, the United States we're going to go to now. Obviously, there's uh, there was uh, again um, tragic news from the US today with another school shooting. Uh, this is uh, this is an interesting one to do with social media. Yeah, uh, very interesting. The governor of Utah, Spencer Cox, has signed legislation requiring explicit parental permissions for anyone under eighteen to use social media. It's the first state law in the US to do this, right? And it would also allow parents or guardians to access all of their children's posts. Uh, it would force the platforms to block users younger than 18 from accessing accounts between 10.30pm and 6.30am unless parents modify the settings. Mm. And the laws would also prohibit social media companies from advertising to minors or collecting information about them. The big the law sounds great, <laughs> to, be yeah. honest, to me it does anyway, as the father of two relatively young kids. Uh, but what's not clear about it is how they're going to enforce the regulations. Um, yes, because indeed. kids, they already have regulations around children under 13, I think. But children are just getting around these. And, uh, you know, it's it's very difficult to police. So I don't know how they're going to do it. Uh, yeah. And they haven't said presumably how they're going to do it. No, they haven't. Uh, and the legislation isn't going to kick in until March of next year. So I think in the meantime, you're going to have quite a few groups, very civil liberty groups and tech lobby groups, I suppose, who are going to turn around and say, well, look, is this even constitutional? Can you do this? Mm. Uh, so there'll be challenges, I would say. Yeah. And, and when they say social media, do they mean 
anything does that mean you can't google something if, if you're under 18 well no oh. i don't i don't think so i think i th- the the names that were quoted are the usual ones tiktok facebook instagram um but i one of the civil liberties groups did raise concerns around young people being able to access information around you know marginalized groups like lgbtq plus yeah. groups and that kind of thing so I I could see that they might be concerned that, you know, somebody wouldn't be able to Google, you know, how do I get support for yeah. this or that? Um, but but I don't think Google would be included. Maybe they, maybe they would be. I yeah, don't know. I know yeah, but, but also strike me that, that to, to actually enforce this, you'd need to know all sorts of personal details yeah. about uh, yeah. people and their families yes. to, to, to make all this verification work. So. Again, I would imagine civil liberties might be concerned yeah, about that too. Absolutely, that is something that a, a tech group called NetChoice pointed out as well. Um, that their data could be breached and and their so on so on and so forth. But we'll see. I I doubt it's the last we'll hear of this anyway. Yeah. Right. So, what should we look out for over the next week or so? Jonathan? I think a big story to keep an eye on. No specific day on this, of course, but Israel and everything that's happening there with Netanyahu. It's fairly fascinating what's going mm. on there. So, I think it's calmed down a little bit today. But it could kick off again. Um, Sunday, there's elections for the national assemblies in both Finland and Bulgaria. And then Macron uh, will be off for a much needed holiday to the (laughs) Netherlands. uh, And uh, we'll see how he gets on there. Well, you know, to get away from the riots. Uh, Jonathan, thanks a million. Jonathan de Berke Butler there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.